All right, let's read this 2 Corinthians chapter 1. These are familiar verses to you. If you let, let me ask you if, you, if you've ever had trouble, these ought to be familiar verses. So I, I, I'm confident that these verses are not new to you. Notice what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and look in verse 3. It says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Now watch, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Now, uh, sometime last year, I didn't mark it down, but I know it was last year, I brought a message upon how God comforts. And in that message, we well, I talked about God being the source of all comfort. It says that he, doesn't it say that right there? That he's the father of mercy and the God of some comfort, a little comfort? No, all comfort. So we know that he is the source of comfort. And then we know, we talked, I talked about who the subjects of that comfort were. And that's anybody that's ever had tribulation. So I qualify for that, amen? And, uh, and I know that you do as well. Tribulation are those difficulties that come in our lives. And then we looked in that message, we looked at, at how or what God uses to comfort his children. And one of those was, one of those were, were the saints. Do you know that God uses his people to be a help to other people? Isn't that what it says right there in verse 4? It says, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, why? That we may be able to comfort others. So God brings tribulation, allows it, if you will, in our lives. He comforts us through it, through it, through it. And then at the same time, he's developing us to where we can be used in the future to help somebody else that's having some trouble. I don't know of anybody that's lived in this life that hadn't had trouble, do you? I don't know anyone that way. And then we also know that he uses the scriptures. Doesn't he use the scripture in your life, man? The book of Psalms, what a blessing it is, man. Sometimes when uh, when I need a I pick me up or whatever, I go through in there and I read and man, the first few verses, usually David's having some trouble and then he remembers about the faithfulness of God. By the time he gets to the end, he's rejoicing and says, you know, wait on the Lord, be of good cheer and wait on the Lord. It helps me. It helps me as I read the promises of God. So we know that He uses we know that He uses the saints. We know that He uses the Scriptures to help us. And then thirdly, I looked at something else that He uses, and of course, that's the Holy Ghost. Is He not called the Comforter? He is. Why? Because that's a part of His ministry to us as God's children. He wants to comfort us and speak peace to our hearts. In the midst sometimes of even difficult situations, God, through his spirit, can give us peace and grant us peace in the situation in which we find ourselves. And so he is so faithful to do that. Well, there was one more that I wanted you to see, and that's the one that we're going to look at tonight. I, I want you to know also that there is another individual that God uses to comfort his children or to be a comfort to us and that is the servant of the Lord the servant of the Lord that's God's man that that is the servant of God you know 
He has three, he has different titles. The pastor has different titles that are found in the word of God. One of those is the term pastor. It is the term pastor. You find that in the book of Ephesians. And that word pastor there, the root of that word is to be a shepherd. And there are times when the pastor needs to be a shepherd in the life of the flock. Amen needs to be a shepherd to the to the sheep and so he goes to look for them he binds them up if he has to he uh he helps to mend things that are broken do you remember in the book of uh in the i think it's the book of mark where uh, where the lord is walking along there uh, by the sea of galilee and he runs across some men and he says of those men mark writes and says as the Lord came by, there were some men who were casting nets. And we know that to be Peter and Andrew, right? And then a little further down as he walked along the coast there, he found some men, James and John, who were mending their nets. And uh, what's interesting about the roles of those individuals is exactly what they were going to be doing later on in the ministry that they received from the Lord. Peter was going to go on and be the evangelist, if you will, and he would be out there casting a net, and that's what an evangelist does. But James and John became pastors, and a pastor mends nets, things that are broken. And so sometimes people come to the house of God and they've been hurt, they've been wounded, and they need someone to help them mend. I, man, I just think, I love my Bible. Don't you? Amen. Just how, I mean, just the words the Holy Ghost wanted to be in here because he knew exactly what we would need uh, in helping us in that. And so sometimes he's referred to as the pastor, which means shepherd. Sometimes the Bible refers to him as a bishop. A bishop. And that word simply means to be a steward. To be a steward. And we get that from the book of Timothy. If any man desire the office of a bishop he desireth a good thing if you look that word up in a concordance and you look at the meaning behind it it is the word it is the word steward he's looking after something that is not his but he's looking after his master's flock as a steward and then in the book of acts we find where where luke is writing and he tells them to take heed to the ministry that god had given them in acts chapter 20 and verse 28 about being overseers of the flock of god and that word overseer there if you look up the root meaning of it it means to be a guardian it means to be like a caretaker a guardian to look after to help to look after the sheep and so so I want you to see, look there with me in chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and look in verse 24. This is the text for the message on how God comforts, and one of the ways that he does that, he uses the saints, he uses the scriptures, he uses the Holy Spirit, and sometimes he uses the servant of the Lord in your life to be a comfort to you, to be a help. And I want you to see this. Look what, look what verse 24 says. Remember, Paul wrote the first letter to correct a bunch of problems, and he did that, and now he's writing the second letter, and he says, not for that we have dominion over your faith. He knew that they didn't belong to him. He wasn't trying to lord over them, if you will, a lordship sort of uh, attitude or spirit. He knew that they belonged to God, 
But he also will go on to say in this book, he said, man, you might have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers. In other words, he, he was there when they got in. He was there. He was the instrument that God used in their salvation and so forth. And he says, not that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy. Helpers of your joy. And the role of a pastor, if you will, an overseer, a bishop in your life, if you will, is to provide an environment where you can grow in grace and knowledge and where your gift can develop and so forth over the course of, over the course not only of their ministry, but of the, over the course of the time that you're in the church, that you're in the body and that we have a body philosophy. And so I want you to see some things tonight and, uh, and I, I think will be a help to you, a blessing to you to help you further understand something about the role of pastor. And I know that you, many of you in here have been saved a long time. And I understand that, and uh, and and I thank God for that. That there that there are some gray hairs out there who are in the way. Amen. I'm not talking about being an obstacle. I'm talking about somebody who's in the way of life and progressing and growing, and that's a blessing. And I'm going to say you can't have too many good men. You can't have too many good women in the assembly. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. But I want you to see, first of all, one of the roles that the pastor has is for your development. And in that, he has words of health, words of health. Listen to what Jeremiah said. I won't make you turn there. Jeremiah chapter 3, in verse 15, the Lord is speaking. And, and Jeremiah is writing and said, I will give you pastors according to mine art, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding with knowledge and understanding and that they would feed you. The primary role of the pastor, if you will, is to feed and lead. Peter exhorted the elders that were there and he said to feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but with a ready mind and so forth. So it's feeding and leading. And God says that one of the things that a pastor ought to be doing is feeding the flock of God. Why? that you might develop as a Christian understanding some things, particularly about two things. You ought to understand about the Word of God, if you will, what the whole counsel is, the doctrine and balanced diet that you should have from the Bible. And so, you know, it, isn't, it, isn't it tough sometimes, ladies, to, uh, you know, if you're going to feed something nutritious to your family, or those gentlemen, or those of you here that cook and so forth, you know, to kind of have a balance on it, you just don't, you, listen, you can't grow on sweet water and gravy. You know what sweet water is? That's a, that's a Coca-Cola. That's what that is, all right? You're not going to grow very healthy like that. Your children weren't going to grow very healthy. You probably would rot their teeth, right? Just sweet water and gravy and biscuits. And I know some of you say, well, my grandpa only lived to be 95 by eating that stuff. I understand. <laughs> I understand, but for the pastor, he for the ladies, you know, at home, you try to have sort of a, you try to give them a healthy diet, don't you? Yeah, sure you did. And because uh, you didn't want them sickly or whatever, and so too the man of God to help you develop is to provide the right kind of diet. And sometimes he's got to have feed for lambs, and sometimes he's got to have feed for sheep. And there's got to be a balance on those things in your life that you may grow and develop. And so he's going to have words of health. And part of that is coming from the word of God, the whole counsel of God, that doctrine and balanced diet of both milk as well as meat. You remember what the book of Hebrews said? 
Everyone that's unskillful in the word, they can't chew meat. They can only have milk. And, uh, and so there's a time for that. There's a time to get out the bottle and there's a time to get out the knife and fork and have to cut and have to bring something to you where maybe you have to think for a little bit and you might have to be a little more engaged maybe to keep up and that that is the challenge sometimes but here's the thing you know the lord knows what the flock needs so as you pray and i pray that he gives what we need for the right time in the right place but i want you to see this go with me turn left and go to the book of Acts with me. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. I want you to hear Paul's testimony. Luke writes this. Acts 20. And look with me please. In verse 19. Acts chapter 20 verse 19. We're talking about what the pastor does. One of the ways that God comforts. Is by giving you a man of God. Who will feed you and lead you. And give you the right kind of diet. That you might develop normally. Uh, as you should. As a believer. Notice what he says. Acts chapter 20. And look with me please. In verse 19. He said. Uh, <clears throat> he said serving the Lord. With all humility of mind. And with many fears and temptations. Which befell me. By the lying in wait of the Jews. Now here in Acts 20, he's getting ready to leave the city, the town of Ephesus. And he's talking to these leaders. He'd spent some time there with them. And notice what he says to them. And he, there in verse 19, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Now watch. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Part of his role, his ministry, was feeding that flock, not only in public assemblies, but sometimes in private. Sometimes in those, uh, maybe maybe there may have been something, Maybe you know, I don't know if they drank coffee back then, I don't know what they were drinking, but he might, they might have invited him over and have a little time, and there was something there in their fellowship in the course of that, some little nugget that he could give to them to help them grow and develop spiritually in their life and that's that's the desire of every true god called pastor is that you would understand something about from the word of god the will of god and the ways of god look also in verse 27 same chapter notice what he said to them he 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 reinforces this idea look what he says for i have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of god in other words, he didn't keep back something from them that they were going to need. And so sometimes, you know, you have to talk about subjects that, that sometimes are a little more difficult or require a little more study, a little more attention paid on your part and me a little more carefully as I present them and teach them. Why? Because God wants you to grow normally and develop. So not only from the Word of God, but also the ways of God, learning about His character and nature. These are the things that, that the man of God is to be providing for you. I mean, you know, because if you're going to walk with him, don't you need to know something about him? The scripture says in the book of Amos, how can two walk together except they be agreed? You can't. And so these are so so rather than grieving the Lord, the pastor, he wants to give you something that's going to help you and help you to be maintain your spiritual health in your life. And then walking with God. How to please him, how to be led of the Spirit. And the Spirit of God is going to use the Word of God to help you in that walk. 
And so what I've, what I've just tried to get you to see is this is a part of God's plan for you as a believer, how you may grow in grace and how you may develop normally, and if you will, I think naturally, in the things of God as you are faithful to the house of God. You know, but it's hard to feed you when you're not here. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to the, to the faithful eight or whatever. There's more than that here, but, but, but I understand that. But still, nonetheless, it makes a difference, doesn't it? I mean, you couldn't see to the health of your family if they didn't show up at the table at dinner time. Makes a difference. So, so he's going to give you some words of help for development. But number two, I want you to know that the pastor should be there to give you words of hope when there's discouragement. Words of hope when there is discouragement. The Bible says in the book of Philippians, he says those things, Paul writing, says those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, he says, do. And then what? And the God of peace shall be with you. Do you know, do you know pastoring? I've talked to other men about this. You know, many times for pastors, as I use the illustration about some that were casting a net and some that were mending a net, but oftentimes the ministry as a pastor is just helping folks to get through one discouraging thing after another. You know, life can be tough sometimes, can't it? We know certainly it's not fair. You know, a fair is where a pig wins a ribbon. I've told people that because they say, it's not fair. Well, a fair is the place where a pig wins a ribbon. You know, and you got to quit sucking your thumb. But, but you know, but here's the thing. The pastor himself is not even spared those hardships that they may able that they may be able to help others. Isn't that what we read in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1? Paul said some things happened to me for your consolation. He was writing to the church at Corinth. He said, Some of these things have been so for your consolation and even for your salvation. Do you remember? Do you remember what happened to Paul? He said, I, I'm here in this prison in the in the, as we as we went through the book of Philippians. I'm here in this prison, and I know the things that have happened unto me have happened unto the furtherance of the gospel, that by means of this, other people have been able to hear about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of the young preachers that are out there or other preachers that are out there, they've been emboldened to carry that gospel. And he knew, he knew that some things were happening in his life in a fashion, in a way that was going to further the work of God. And so too it is, so too it is, him not, be, him not being spared those things, but going through some of the same things that many, that many that were around him went through. And why? So that God could use him as well to be that comfort. You know, I mean, you know, it's hard to talk about the grace of God if you've never experienced the grace of God. It's hard to encourage someone about the mercy of the Lord if you yourself have never obtained mercy. But why? You know, why have we gone through some of these things? Man, so that we can fellowship together and sometimes so we can bear one another's burdens. You know, isn't that, isn't that, was, was it Jeremiah said, I sat where, what? Where they sat. I sat where they sat. I, I remember, you know, Ezekiel was there. He had been deported. You see, Je Jeremiah stayed in the land. Ezekiel was the prophet that was deported and went over there to Babylonia. And he talked about, man, they wanted us to sing these songs. And he said, but we hung our harps on the willows. The willows was a, when, when you see a willow in the Bible, that's a picture of suffering. 
It's the palm branch, the hosannas, right? That's, that's a symbol of praise. But the willows, you know what a weeping willow is, right? We have some around here, don't we? I think we do. I think I've seen something like that down. Maybe that might have just been a sickly looking cypress. I don't know, but I thought it was kind of a weeping willow a little bit. We had those when I was a boy, those willows. And he said we had to, we had to hang our harps on the willows. It was a time of suffering, and Ezekiel went through that with them. Why? So that he could minister to them. And there are going to be things that will happen to us as a body and to me. Why? So that I can better be able to minister to you. You know, I pray that it never happens, but I, I've never suffered the loss. Debbie and I have never suffered the loss of a child. I know that Pastor Hoots has suffered the loss of a child. And I've watched that God has allowed other couples who have been under his ministry who have lost children. And I've watched Sister Cindy be able to go and comfort that mother whose heart is broken and Brother Roger to help that dad whose heart has been crushed. And they were able to do that. Why? Because they could say, I've sat where you sat. And so a pastor will go through some things in times of discouragement. Why? So that they can help you. I mean, you know, our, our, listen, don't you get encouraged a little bit when you hear about somebody say, man, you know, when we take a prayer or we take praises or whatever, something good happened and you're like, man, I prayed about something nobody else knew about it and the Lord heard my prayer and answered it. What does that do for the rest of us? It encourages us, does it not? We put things on our prayer list and God hears and answers. My faith is strengthened in those things. I don't, listen, I've learned, don't put a question mark where God puts a period or an exclamation point. Amen. you got to learn that. And, uh, and so sometimes it is to help in times of discouragement. We all know that life is like that. And so, so sometimes it's for people that have anxiety. Paul said this, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. What? And the peace of God. Sometimes for loss. What is 1 Thessalonians 4? That's what we talk about, man. What we talk about there, we talk about when the Lord comes back. But knowing this, he said, based upon what? That the, with, the, with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, there's a trump's going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise. Even so, we know, you know, that we're to, not to sorrow as others which have no hope. And the last line of chapter 4 in verse 18 says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And so sometimes a pastor will have a word for you during times of discouragement. Sometimes it'll be over anxiety. Sometimes it'll be might be about loss. Sometimes it might just be a word to give you some confidence in your heavenly Father. And these are things, these are the normal expectations that you should have from leadership. It's the right thing. A lot of times people have, you know, we all have expectations. And did you ever think sometimes that maybe an expectation you had was unreasonable? <laughs> at the, Probably at the time, you didn't think that it was. It just seemed like that was exactly what you needed. But sometimes an, an expectation can be unreasonable. But what I'm giving you tonight is not an unreasonable expectation. You ought to develop as a believer. And you ought to, from time to time, that you ought to, that, that there ought to be words of hope when you're discouraged. Now, the preacher can't make you believe what the Bible says. The preacher can't tell you, can't make you believe that what's happened in his life or her life 
Uh, when I say her, I'm talking about the pastor's wife. I'm not talking about her as the preacher. Amen. And uh, But what maybe happened in that couple's life, you know, a lot of times when people are going through something, they say, well, you know, hearing about your problem and what you did doesn't make me feel any better. And I get that. I get that. But because sometimes it may not even be having a word necessarily. It might just be there in that difficult place. Because sometimes what can you say? What can you say? Having answers doesn't change the outcome a lot of times. But it can help you with your outlook. So so when we when we need developing as children of God, there'll be words of help. Words of help. When we when we are discouraged, there ought to be words of hope to give us confidence. Where Paul said, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God you might receive the promise. And it says, for yet a little while, and he shall come, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. The third area is when you and I have got to make decisions. Sometimes you ought to talk to your pastor when you've got to make a major decision. It's not, you know, we're not, I'm not talking about what you're going to have for supper. I'm talking about some of the life-changing decisions that you may have to make in your life. And here ought to be words of help. We talked about words of help, words of hope, and there ought to be words of help. Helping in what? Helping you to find the will of God, that you might enjoy the peace of God in your life. Paul said this, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Finding the will of God and then pursuing it. That, that's, why, that's why the scriptures, the preaching of the word, and not just what the preacher thinks about the word, but the word of God itself is what we need. Spurgeon said this. Spurgeon said your preaching ought to have some teaching in it, and your teaching better have some preaching in it. But between the two, they better have much of the word of God. And, uh, and so it makes a difference. And so we need those words of help, finding the will of God. And sometimes young people struggle with this. And sometimes people that are older struggle with it as well. What is the will of God for my life? You know what, when, when, listen, when you're 25 or even 30, you may not know what your life's work is. That may not be revealed. Why? You say, because maybe that person's not fully prepared yet. They haven't fully developed yet to know what their life's work is. And so it can be like that. So for the decisions that we have to make, you ought to talk with your pastor. Find the will of God, the resources and blessings that you need. And so words of help. And I thank God that there have been some men in my life that I could look to, some pastors that I could look to. And I, I, I'll tell you one, when I was struggling, uh, you know, I, I don't know about other men that when they, uh, every man I think is a little bit different in this, but some men, as soon as they were called, boy, they just surrendered to it and they did all that. Well, when God was dealing with me about it, man, I had other plans, you know. I was going to do this and I was going to do that and I was going to own this and I, all that kind of stuff. It was a lot of I, I, I. And everything that I put my hand to, it just failed until I finally surrendered. And I remember, you know, uh, the, our pastor there in Alaska, you know, uh, he talked about when he surrendered and his wife laughed at him. And 
I may or may not get this story. I never seem to get this story exactly right. But I just know this one day that when I was going home I, I, with Debbie after that service or whatever, I, I think I said that I think I said to her, I just want you to know I hadn't been called to preach. Well, God was already dealing with me about it. And I think she said, well, if he does, I won't laugh at you or something along those lines. But I, I sort of ran from it for several months. I did. And, uh, and I, I finally, I went to the pastor and I said, well, how do you know if God has called you to preach? And so this preacher says to me, and in, with sincerity, and he says to me, he said, well, have you been to Bible college? And I said, no, sir, I haven't. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, 31 years old now at this time. No, sir, I haven't been to Bible college. He said, well, God's probably not called you to preach then. You know, and so I, I just sort of put it out of my mind, and I just went on struggling for a while. And, uh, and then I, I, we, we changed churches. I felt like the Lord was leading us in a different direction, and I went over there, and I talked with that brother. And, man, when I, when I asked him about it, how do you know if God's called you to preach or not? And he said, well, he'll show you in the Word of God. He never asked me one time if I'd been to Bible college or not. Uh, you know, the, what the Lord was looking for is not a Bachelor of Arts, not a B.A., but he's looking for the B.A. of born again. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and so when I talked to him, he helped me, counseled me, showed me from the Word of God, and what a blessing that was. And then wasn't long after that, I surrendered to the ministry. I just had to have some guidance about the will of God. Because, man, you don't want to miss the will of God, do you? So these are things where we can pray together. These are things where we can search the Scriptures find the will of God, and then be in pursuit of it as believers. It's a blessing. Let me give you the last thing. So I, I think the Lord gives us pastors, if you will, for our development with words of help. I think he also gives us pastors when we are discouraged who can give us words of hope that, that the Lord is still on the throne, that God hasn't been, hasn't been taken surprised by the difficulties that we are in. And you know, and if we have shot ourselves in the foot, and then we, want, then we still want to say that we're suffering for the Lord, He can also mend us and help us. A pastor's good for that. And then when we have to make a decision, we need words of help to show me along the way. And then lastly, I want you to know not only that, but we need words sometimes that hurt. Why? It's for times of danger. Times of danger that you need the pastor in your life. Now, words that hurt. You know, when I was a medic, a lot of, sometimes some of the interventions that I had, I mean, sometimes it might have just been putting a Band-Aid on there. Sometimes it might have just been holding somebody's hand to comfort them. They were having such anxiety or whatever it might have been. Sometimes I had to start a line on them. Sometimes I had to drill into their leg with something that sort of sounded like a, you know, like a Black & Decker drill, you know. And sometimes I had to do that. And sometimes, sometimes those interventions were painful, but they weren't necessarily harmful. There's a difference in those two things. You know, and sheep, sometimes they get into trouble, don't they? Don't they? I mean, when they're eating, they're just looking down, they're just feeding, they're not really aware sometimes of some things around them. And so the pastor is there again, not to be a lordship, not to, listen, you've heard me say this before. There's a limit to the authority that a pastor has. There's limits on those things. You know, uh, I've had some family members that where they went to church, you know, the preacher told them when, when uh, they could be at home with their family on the weekend and whatever, what, 
when they were going to be doing something else on the weekend, I, I'd have had a hard time with that. Amen. I would have had a hard time with that. You know, how far does how far does the their leadership go? I think there's a limit on that. I do. But at the same time, there are areas within that that God has placed authorities in our life. Like when you were growing up, your parents. And then, and then when, as you get saved, then there's the pastor in the church. And I think if you'll listen to those two things, then you don't have to have the next level authority, which is the civil government, the police. You follow what I'm saying? When there's times of danger. And so, so listen to this. Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now, your pastor is your friend, but he's not your buddy. Those are two different things. Those are two different things. And, uh, but, but he wants to be your friend. And so, and so the, nearness at, the nearness of that in that relationship depends sometimes upon the maturity of that person. You see, there are some... Have you ever, have you ever known somebody, they didn't know the difference between what was friendship and what was business you ever know anybody like that I've, I've seen people that way that uh, they wound up getting hurt because they didn't know where the difference was they didn't know where the line was and uh, and so some of that depends upon the maturity of the individual and so sometimes the sheep get into trouble and so the line, the lines of that relationship can get blurred for those who are not mature enough to separate friendship from leadership Y'all with me? You understand? That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, sometimes even, you know, and I, I suspect maybe even in a family business. I was thinking about you, brother, when I was putting this together. I was thinking about this. And, and even, you know, when you have a family business, you know, you own the business and your son is working with you or your sons are working with you. And then you have to correct one of them or you have to deal with something. You say, well, yeah, well, I'm the, I was already their dad. Yeah, but it's business. And sometimes that's not always received well. Because Why? Because they couldn't tell the difference. You know, it's even like, it's even like when uh, sometimes when Debbie was homeschooling, it was hard sometimes for the kids to know, am I talking to mom or am I talking to the teacher? <laughs> what, who am I talking to right now? And, uh, and it was hard for her sometimes. And so instead of, uh, instead of always, in other words, instead of maybe having the mother role, it just came out like the role of the teacher. And it's hard for some parents to be able to do that. So some of that depends upon the, on the maturity of that individual. And so, so what can happen is if they can't tell the difference, then they sometimes can wind up getting hurt and then they leave. Because people don't leave, typically leave churches because of doctrinal issues. They leave because of how something was handled or mishandled in their mind. And so they leave, and you know, the sad part is what happens? The problem just goes with them to the next place. And it's going to be repeated there, and they'll continue to do so until they learn. So there's some danger signs that sheep don't always see. You know, there's a danger in looking back. There's a danger. Remember Lot's wife? What did she do? She looked back and was turned to a pillar of salt. She didn't go all the way. There was something back there that she felt like she needed there in Sodom. I don't know what it was. I'm not here being critical, but Jesus did say, remember Lot's wife. And it had to do with, it, in the context of that, it had, hey, if you're on the rooftop, you better get off of there 
or the Lord's coming, all right? One's in the field, one's taken, one's up. Now, remember Lot's wife. But my thing is, is looking back, because when you look back, there are some things back there that you can't fix. That, looking back, you know, there, there's going to be people who have failed you. Looking back on them, it's not going to help you. Looking back on sins that have already been forgiven, that's not... That's not going to help you. You've got to learn how to forgive yourself and move forward. And this is where there's a danger in that. And this is where the pastor can help you with those things. Sometimes living too close to the edge. Did you ever, did you ever know anybody that just lived too close to the edge? What I used to say is I, I called them twilight Christians. They sort of had one foot over here in the light. And they sort of had one foot over here in the darkness. And they were kind of walking in twilight, you know. Man, do, you, do you remember who Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh were? Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh were more interested in cattle than they were in being in the battle. And so when they got over there, they were going to go, when the children of Israel were going to go into the land of Jordan, they said, man, Moses, this looks like a good place to raise cattle. I think we'll stay here. And the Lord said, man, if you don't go over and fight with your brethren, you'll have sinned and be sure your sin will find you out. That's where the context of that verse is. And so what happened? When the battle was over, they went back to that land and they set up camp there. They set up shop there. They were doing pretty good. And then when the invaders came, they were the first to fall. Why? Because they were living on the edge. They were living on the boundary. Sometimes sheep don't see that. Sometimes there's listening issues. I mean, you know, I talked about this. He used to reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering. You know, one of the things that Paul wrote there in the book of Ephesians, I wrote these down. He said, wake up, get up, straighten up, use up, wise up, fill up, cheer up, and look up. <laughs> All those things. And so sometimes we have to have a little bit of diet of, of each of those things in our lives. Why? That we may do the will of God, that we may grow in that grace. And that we may accomplish the purpose for which we were created and saved. When you got saved, God gave you a gift. And the Lord, and some of you have more than one. Some of you might have the gift of helps. That's what most people have. Some of you might have the gift of organization. There are some people that are really good at that. They can take something and man, just all of a sudden they're like, well, why didn't I see that? Well, you had to put this over here and that over there and get that straight up. Well, it was just like, man, well, I just got a pile here. <laughs> and I don't know what to do with it. But some people have the gift for that. They, you know, like they may not have been able to run the equipment, but they know how to keep the books. And, uh, and you may know how to run the equipment, but you don't know how to keep the books. And so, so things like that. So everybody has a gift when they got saved. Some more than one. That's strictly based upon the Holy Spirit. And so in a church, the environment the pastor ought to be trying to provide through all these things, whether it be developing or helping you with discouragement or when there's danger or when you have to make a decision is to provide an environment where you can grow and develop as a believer and exercise your gift for the glory of God and for the good of the other folks in that assembly. Listen, didn't he say that the Lord puts them in the church as it pleased him? He knows exactly who's supposed to be here and who should be here and the roles that they have. God knows those things. And I am confident in that. And it is one of the ways that God intended to comfort us. Not only the saints and the scriptures and the Holy Spirit, but also the servant of God to be in your life. And so sometimes you have to think about, you know, 
What is the role between the pastor and me? The pastor and me. And, uh, and together, together we're to do these things. And that's how I, I love it that way. And that's the way that it ought to be, that we are, that we are going together. It's not, you all get out there in front of me and I'll be right behind you. No, that's not the way it's supposed to be. You don't lead from the rear, amen? I mean, did you ever try to push a string? It doesn't work, but you can pull one, amen? And, and that's what God intends. And I, I just want you to know that sometimes I may see something that maybe you don't see and I may mention it to you. Or sometimes I learn something that maybe you need and I can see that. And that's where, and that's where you understanding the role of the pastor in your life. You know, some people want to, you know, sometimes people want to know, well, well uh, you know, are there rules? Are there certain things that we have to do? And I, I just want to say to you, beloved, I, I you know, <clears throat> I'm not interested in rules, but I'm interested in relationships. The Bible says, now faith worketh by love that we do what we do before the Lord because we love Him. As I mentioned a, a few Sundays ago that we get to. I, I get to preach. I, I get to go to church. It's not that I have to. I get to give. I, I get to talk to others about, about the Lord. I don't have to. And so that's what religion does. Religion wants to confine us into something that we have to endure. Whereas a relationship that God gives to us is something that he wants us to enjoy. Amen. I'm just telling you, man, I'm so glad God saved me. I'm enjoying the trip. I don't know about you, I'm enjoying the trip. And I know when we all get to heaven, it's going to be that way. And I know there's a whole lot more on the other side that I don't know about and all this. But I, I, I just want to say that, man, I'm enjoying the trip. And uh, you say, well, that's because you feel good and you got... You know, I don't know what I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know how I'm going to be feeling six months from now, six years from now. I mean, I don't even know if I'm going to be here or not. But while I'm here, I want to enjoy the trip and enjoy the relationship that God has provided me with. And I want you to be able to do the same thing. Because you know what? You don't want to be an old, dried up, bad attitude Baptist. You don't want to be that way, bitter in life and all that. Oh, oh, man. There's so many things that we have that we can enjoy together as we serve the Lord together. Amen? All right, all right, let's pray. Father, I sure do thank you for my church family, Lord, and I thank you for how you have organized the body, dear God, and Lord, your goodness to it and, and, and to us in that, how, how each supplies what the other one has a need for. Every joint supplying that which we need, strengthening us, and Lord, we do pray that you'll add to this church as it pleases you. And I pray, Father, that we would look forward to these days of walking with you and talking with you and walking and working for you. Make us a blessing to those around us, Father, we pray. As we've learned to be comforted, Father, help us in those things to comfort others. In Jesus' name, amen.